This episode of the Filmmaker Mixer podcast is sponsored by Reed's Cleaners in Austin, Texas. We launder everything but money. This episode is also sponsored by Piers Henry Headshots, shining the spotlight on you. Welcome back to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a show by filmmakers for filmmakers. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined with my co-host Jeff. And today we have a special guest, that being the talented actor, writer, director, Gary Clark. You may know him from many TV shows and movies, all of which we get into later on in the episode, along with a funny Tonight Show appearance story. Yeah, Gary talks about how he broke into the business, how he got the opportunity to start writing for television as well as being an actor, and talks about the wonderful interactions he has with fans. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer, and we are mixing it up tonight with a very special guest. This gentleman's screen credits read like a who's who of classic Hollywood titles. You've got The Virginian, Gunsmoke, The A-Team, Dynasty, The Streets of San Francisco, Get Smart, The Paperboy, Tombstone, one of my personal favorites. Um, I'm happy to say that he has become a very dear friend of mine, and I can tell you that his acting talent is only eclipsed by his charm. (laughs) This is my good friend, Gary Clark. How are you, Gary? I was going to say, gee, I want to meet that guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you and I have become good friends over the years. We've worked on a couple we of have. Small... Yeah, we've done some small projects. We've never done anything big, but, you know, you never know. Hopefully we will soon. But, yeah, I just wanted to jump in with the obvious question. Um, you know, you've had such a great career, you know, and got so much more to come. I'm just curious how you got started. I mean, what led you to this crazy business we call being a professional actor? It's interesting, interesting because I, I've uh, spoken about this just over the last year or so, somebody said, what made you pick this business? And um, I can remember the moment that it happened. It shouldn't take me more than 45 minutes to tell the story, so I'll just <laughs> jump right in. Um, I was about 10 or 12 years old. I lived in East L.A., and at the time, the, um, the neighborhood was predominantly Chicano, and which makes the difference of the story. But what we did, there was a ten, about 10 guys in, in our four-block neighborhood. And one of the things that we did often was play touch, touch football in the street. Because the street where we played uh, hardly had any cars parked on it. So it, was, it just kind of drew us to the street. And on the corner of that street was a little mom-and-pop grocery store. And it was owned by the parents of, of Alex, one of the guys who was playing football with us. And one of our habits was we, we'd play for an hour or so. We'd go into the supermarket and buy a little carton of milk and a, a, a two-cupcake package of Hostess cupcakes for a nickel. So that's how long ago that was. You were eating healthy. Oh, absolutely, even then. <laughs> and... Um, we went across the street and sat on this lawn, and we told stories, we told jokes, we talked about stuff that we'd done. And I, somehow, I always got them laughing, and laugh, we would laugh our tails off. And it was, it was great fun. And one day, uh, we are, I'm telling stories, I guess I was on a roll, and Alex said, uh, my name wasn't Gary then. It was Clark Lamoureux, which is my real name. He said, hey, Clarky, you you should do that 
as a business, you could make a lot of money making people laugh. People love to laugh. And there's something about the way he said it or a word that he said that just stuck with me. And I realized that I really loved entertaining people and especially making them laugh. So I started doing plays in uh, in junior high school, in high school. And I found that I loved saying something on stage and then having the audience react to it. And from that day to this, that's all I ever wanted to do. I had other jobs, you know, to keep me going. But that, that, that moment is what set me on this path. So I'm ever so grateful to Alex. That's awesome. Yeah. And as you've done both movies and TV, once you started getting the acting bug, I'm curious if the process between the two mediums, movie and TV, are different or how you prep or are they the same? What's it like on a day of shooting between those two different types of projects? Um, I don't, I don't know that it's, there's necessarily that much difference. Um, when I was shooting the Virginian, we would, uh, we would shoot a show every seven or eight days. And Jim Drury brought it up once that we were actually shooting a complete movie because the show, each show was about 75, 77 minutes long, which was the length of a normal movie. And we, we did that. And sometimes in order to do that, we would, for example, I'd be working on, you know, on a soundstage on one particular segment and we'd be halfway through and somebody from the producer's office would come in, hand me a couple of pages and say, get over to stage 24. So I'd run over to stage 24. If I had to, I'd change costume and I'd jump into the middle of another segment. And that, but that was the same, the same episode. No, different. Oh, really? Different episode. Oh, wow. And that's what we, we would shoot, be shooting two show. I don't think we ever shot three at once, but two at the same time was fairly common for us. And when I did, when I did films, it was, I didn't notice that much difference. I, well, they paid a little more, but, um, I didn't notice the, the actual shooting process was not that much different for me. And, and what was the, was the page count different from, cause it sounds like you were shooting a lot in TV. Um, no, if we, if we had a. If we did a 75, 77-minute show, we usually had approximately uh, 75, 77 pages. It's usually, it averages out about a, a minute a page. And if I did a film, it was virtually the same thing. A minor difference would be that maybe they would take a little longer and take a little, a little more care in getting the the product as classy and well done as possible. And TV could, could from time to time, you always heard, you'd hear the director thinking, uh, no, that'll be okay. That'll work. That's all. We'll, we'll cut around that. Just because of the deadlines. Yeah. 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 And do you have a preference between TV and film, even from a work environment wise? I know 
Some people say TV is like as close as you can get to a nine to five study job. You usually see the same people every day where film, it's almost like a summer camp where you're with a new group of people for a couple months and then you kind of all go your separate ways after that. Well, here's the, here's here's where I am with regards to will I do television or film or do I have a preference? Uh, because I have this this credo as an actor and it is... I'll take it. What is it? <laughs> and eventually I'll get around to saying, oh, by the way, how much are you paying? <laughs> Especially now, you know, because um, uh, there aren't that many parts for guys over over 80, and, and I'm over 80. Um, so I, I don't get as many calls as I used to. But, but, and this is a big but, no offense to anybody with a big butt. I didn't. I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> but two years ago, a friend of mine was doing a short film about fifteen minutes, something like that, and she asked me to participate. So I did, and it was a fun show, and it turned out turned out well. We had great fun doing it, and it was shown in a theater in uh, downtown Austin with about 47 other short films. And we sat there and, and they were all 10, 15 minutes and we just sat through the whole thing, had a break and then came back and, and sat through them. And 48 guys were up, were up, well, they did like a, a mini Oscar. And I got the Best Actor Award. Oh, nice. And... You know, so I can't say there's nothing out there because <laughs> I've got the plaque on my wall. <laughs> I've got, I know you'd be dying to see it. So what I'll do is I'll take a picture and I'll send it to both of you. And uh, then you'll uh, then you'll feel better. You you text that to me. I, I want to see that. Uh, I, yes. Actually, I would like to see it. Um, you know, you also have writing credits on Get Smart, you know, growing up. I love that show. I mean, it's Mel Brooks and Buck Henry. I mean, how awesome is that? So, oh yeah. How did how did that come to pass? That you did had you I, been writing and just sort of segued into that, or was just a, the opportunity no, just presented itself? How been, did that happen? I was writing uh, since high school and uh, wrote a couple of films with a friend of mine, Steve Inet. We did a movie, Strike Me Deadly. We wrote that together. We kind of directed it together, but. The, my my first professional job uh, that that was interesting um, because uh, I had worked on the Virginian and they had some great writers and I never I had some ideas but I never presented them. Then I was doing Hondo and I got some more ideas about various segments and I wrote I wrote out a three or four page outline for a segment that I thought would really be great and I handed it to the producer, who will remain nameless. And he took it, didn't take his eyes off me, and handed it back, and he said, Garrett, you're an actor. Act. Let the writers <laughs> do the writing. <laughs> now, I was dumb and naive at the time, and I thought that what he said was written in stone in the business. Actors weren't supposed to write. No, I'd heard, I know that a couple of actors had done stuff in the past, and I, 
And I thought to myself, well, maybe that was a fluke. And so I kind of let it go with that. And he, he made the point that because I was an actor, I should not write. And that's kind of what stuck. Now, fast forward a couple of years, I am having lunch with a friend of mine who is the head of NBC publicity. And he was telling me about this new show on NBC about a bumbling spy. Get smart. And as he's talking, I got this idea and I said, Bill, when I, I've got this idea, I want to write it up. Will you take a look at it when I finish it? And he said, yeah, it was only 30 pages. So I could do that. So that was a Friday. And I, I met him again on Monday, handed him the scripts and he read it and he said, wow, this is right down their alley. I said, great. I'm going to give it to my agent. And he said, oh, wait, wait, they don't, they don't take scripts that they haven't asked to be written. No unsolicited scripts. And I said, oh, well, I'll give it to my agent anyway. And I gave it to my agent and the thought hit me. I said, wait a minute, let's not submit that written by Gary Clark. It's written by Clark Lamoureux. Let's do that. And it was and that because of, of what the producer the, had said to you earlier? The other producer on the other uh, show? Uh, yeah, and I, I was, oh, no, let's do that. At, at least they'll get it in there, and the, even if they don't buy it, they won't know that I'm an actor. And, and if they look at the page and see the, the, the title page, and they, and they see written by Gary Clark, ah, he's an actor, throw it out. I had all of these things going on in my head. So a couple of weeks later, I am acting in a film called Wild Wild Winter. And I'm in Lake Tahoe. And just on the off chance that I might get a call from them, I left both names, Gary Clark and Clark Lamro, at the front desk. So I get a call. I pick up the phone. He says, Clark? I said, yes. This is Buck Henry. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, this <laughs> is Buck Henry if we get smart. Oh, yeah. Read your script. We love it. Uh, we want to see you when you get back. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll be back next week. And uh, is, is Monday too late? No, that'll be fine. So I'm all excited. And then it hits me. Oh, shit. What if they recognize me as Gary Clark? They're going to throw out my script. I went through all of this. Uh, it just, I changed, I changed the way I looked. I parted my hair in the middle. I didn't wear glasses at the time, <laughs> but I wore glasses. And I kind of talked like this. Uh, hi, I'm glad to meet you. I'm glad you like my script. Yeah, we want you to uh, 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 write another one. And so for a couple of months, I did that. I played this character. And then if I, I, I three scripts. But it, you know, are they going to throw them out after they shot them? Then no, that's enough. No more lying. So I knocked on Buck's door. Come in. I walked in. And he and Mel Brooks are sitting there. Wow. And I said, oh, Mel, I'm glad you're here. There's something I want to say to you. I, uh, I'm Clark Lamro. That's, that's my name. But I'm also Gary Clark. I'm an actor. <laughs> I was on the Virginia and I was on Fondo. And I, I'm so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an, I'm an actor. He said, yeah, we know. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. We watch television too. You, but yeah. 
why didn't you tell me? And Mel said, just wanted to see how far you'd go with it. <laughs> and I, we said, we talked about it and I told him what happened with the producer and uh, we laughed. I said, I'm walking out. Mel says, oh, Clark, by the way, for an actor, you write a hell of a script. And it just, that stuck with me. So That's... whatever the other, whatever the producer said, the other one, this, what Mel said, just kind of washed that all away. Well, yeah, coming from Mel Brooks, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. And and that was my start. That was my first professional yeah. job as a writer. Interesting, because my, my first professional job as an actor huh? was a lead in a movie. I'd never done anything professional. You, you want to hear that one? No, yeah, what, what, what was the movie? Drag Strip Riot. I'm sure you have it in your uh, library. Yeah, I'll cue it up tonight. That's an awesome title, actually. I like that. <laughs> I did some plays in high school, and, and I got married. I was married for about four and a half years, had three children. Nobody told me where children came from. I thought it was a stork. I remember asking my wife, did you go to the cabbage patch again? Is that why we have another child here? <laughs> uh, and and we we were divorced, and I started doing plays again around town, an agent. Byron Griffith was his name, saw me, and he said, uh, I'd like to handle you and uh, uh, get, uh, get you some auditions, and we'll see what we can do. I said, gee, that's great. And I'm working as a machinist at the time. So I've been out on a couple of interviews, and I get I get a call at the machine shop. And the boss, Mr. Grimley was his name, said, uh, Clark, you're wanted on the phone. We have a phone call for you. Just don't make it too long. It's in my office. And so I went in, and it's Byron. And he says, Gary, get down here. We have um, their casting for a teenage movie, and I think I can get you on as a member of the good gang. So I went back to my, my, my lathe, and I got sick. I mean... What, what an amazing coincidence. <laughs> well... Uh, <laughs> That, that's what Mr. Grimley thought. I said, oh, I have to go home. And, oh. So I went home, changed clothes. I was living in San Gabriel at the time, and I drove into L.A. I had the audition, and my agent says, after the audition was over, and about 10 minutes later, it comes out and says, you got the part. You remember the good game. Whoa. Wow. That's awesome. I feel terrific. I go, I'm in a movie. Oh, my God. I went back to work the next day, and I'm going like crazy, and I'm, I'm all hyped up about being able to work in a movie. Another phone call. Grimley says, Clark, won't make this a habit. Oh, no, no, sir. I'm very sorry, sir. I'm a, I, and it's Byron. And he says, Gary, you've got to get down here right away. They have lost the lead for this movie, and you are just the right type, so get down here. So I went back to my lathe, got sick again, <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Grimley. I pretended that I was going to throw up. He says, go home, go home. Come back when you're well. I went home, changed clothes, got to the uh, to the office, and I, there, were other, there were other actors there that uh, Connie Stevens was one. A couple of people who went on to do some pretty nice stuff in the business. And we all became friends. I auditioned every day for five days. And during those five days, Connie heard the producer 
director talking to another producer saying, ah, I think the lead should have blonde hair, just so everybody knows that he's the hero, uh, because that's uh, he's driving a white Corvette, so he should have blonde hair. So the group of us got together, and Connie says, he, he, they want somebody with blonde hair. What can you do? My mother worked in a beauty shop. At 3 o'clock the next morning, I'm sitting in this woman's chair, and she's bleaching my hair. I go in that <laughs> that day with blonde, blonde, bleached blonde, platinum blonde hair. And they, all the guys said, oh, you kind of looks great. And the producer director came out. And Connie was right in his face. He wanted a blonde. Gary can play that part. We, by now, my agent changed my name. Gary can play that part. And look, he went, he dyed his hair. What kind of commitment can you do? You call that? That that is who's going to do that? So I got the part. Nice. And I never went back. I never went back to work at the machine shop. <laughs> my first job, I lead the movie. That's how I got it. I got it That's because awesome. I bleached my hair. Yeah, and Jeff has hinted at me, but he hasn't shared the full story that you had a great appearance on Johnny Carson and the Johnny Carson oh, show. I was wondering if you could absolutely. share any of that with us. Um, a friend of mine wrote wrote the music for the theme from the Virginians, and then he also wrote the words, and I, I learned them and uh, told the producer and. Um, and I was going on the Tonight Show because I had gotten. Um, an award from Photoplay saying uh, I was the most promising actor of 63. And they said, great, when you get your award, tell Johnny you want to sing the song on the show. Um, uh, oh, oh, well, uh, yeah, I can, I can lip sync it. Yeah, whatever, but do the song on the show. So I found out before I left that no, in New York, you cannot you cannot lip sync a song in a live show. You've got to sing it live. When you record, I had a, a whole orchestra who knew what I was going to do and and they and they they, they helped and they, they played and they, they covered my goofs. And to, to, to cut that one song must have taken three or four hours because we'd stop and it's a mistake, so we have to do this again, and we do it again, and we do it again. Uh, oh, I forget the guy's name who was leading the show at the time, before Doc Severinsen. Doc was in the orchestra, but it was a guy before him, and I forgot. I'll think of it. So, okay, I had music, a box of music with for 18 musicians. And I got there like two hours early because I didn't want to be late, and I was I wanted to get all the help I could from the from the director of the music, good conductor. So I got there and I'm sitting here and Della Reese is rehearsing because she's going to be on the show. Two hours she rehearses and she just knocked me out. I was up like that. So they finished and the conductor says, all right, where's the, uh, where, where's the cowboy boy? Or the cowboy boy. <laughs> And I raised my hand, I went up, and I, I handed him the box of music, and he kind of looked at it, gave it a cursory look. And he says, okay, and, he, and he's passing it, almost throwing it out to each of the musicians. And he says, it's got a rock and roll beat, so let's uh, let's let's do that. And they said, okay, here we go. And then I thought, oh, they, 
and I, I started tried to, to to sing and I, I, I missed cues and uh, wait a minute can we and went through it once and a half times and I said I I don't know if I have it yet. don't worry kid we'll cover you all right guys <laughs> see you tonight so <laughs> it's time the show is has started and it's my turn to be on stage and Johnny says and here he is from the Virginia, Mr. Gary Clark. Got the applause. I came out, the music starts. I start singing, and I'm nervous as hell. The big thing that happened, that probably won't mean anything to you, is that the band finished playing about 10 seconds before I finished singing. <laughs> and at the end of that, when it was all over, the applause, I think there were four people who kind of applauded. And I, and you know, I, it could have, 40, 50 million people, who cares? <laughs> so I'm, I'm walking over to the desk, and Johnny started, and he, he is wonderful. He, as I'm walking over, he, like I see, he's starting to say something, and I just kind of put my hand up saying, no, don't. And so he didn't say anything. He kind of stopped. He knew I was going somewhere with it. And I sat down. I looked at the audience. And I looked at Johnny. And we sat there. And the, the pause became so pregnant, but it was perfect. And I finally said to him, Johnny, do you have that that little plaque thing that I'm going to get? If Can I can I see it? Oh, yeah. And he reaches down beside the desk, and he pulls up this black and I take it and I look at it look at the front look at the back look along the edges long time and I said yeah and I said this doesn't say shit about singing <laughs> and I gave it back <laughs> the audience loved it I mean oh, that's they, funny they for, they forgave the whole thing that's great <laughs> but I it was, it was fun. Yeah, I was just going to say, staying on like the TV subject with, you know, show, shows like Star Trek and Seinfeld and more modern shows like uh, The Office and Breaking Bad, in your case, The Virginian, are you still in contact with those fans to this day? I'm sure you gained a lot of fans from that appearance. Uh, do you attend conventions? I'll tell you, I, am, I have been so surprised. There were three, four ladies who put together a fan page on Facebook and it's Gary Clark, the actor and people click on Facebook and they put in Gary Clark, the actor and it comes up. And what I've been doing for, I don't know, a year, 10 months a year, something every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, um, People, people send in questions. Not every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but people send in questions. And Wendy, one of the one of the ladies who put put this page together, uh, sends me five or six questions that these fans have asked about. Uh, how much ad libbing goes on in the show? Um, uh, uh, what happens when a when somebody gets hurt? Um, when you're working in the rocks, do you worry? Do you are you ever worried about rattlesnakes? And 
um, uh, do girls bother you guys a lot? You know, that's kind of stuff. And I get these questions and I videotape the answers. Okay. Uh, here's a Josephine Fresnelis. And her question is, do, um, uh, do you do you have to bring in your own wardrobe? And I'll answer it, and I'll answer it in a way. I'll usually make make fun of it, and uh, some sometimes I'll say stuff that they actually believe, but it's it's a farce, and I I let them know that. So I've been doing that, and the the I get more questions every week now. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I got fans that faithfully go to the fan page and read the answers, and they're they're delighted to have me say their name, you know, on camera. So it's, I was really surprised that, oh, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you how really surprised it was. We, I was. Jim and Doug and I, when we were when we were shooting, I was on for just about the first three years. And one of the one of the things we'd always discuss was how we hoped that the show would have legs. That that after we were done shooting, that the show would would live on in in reruns. We really hoped. I mean, we had great writers. We had some extraordinary guest stars but that was still kind of niggling at us and here it is like 60 years since the show and i'm sitting at a t I, I i do from time to time i'll do a western convention somewhere here in, in texas or it could be in another state i've done a couple of those and they have people from some of the western shows that were on in the 50s and 60s and maybe even into the 70s and what we do is we go and we um we sell we sell our pictures which we autograph and then we have conversations with the fans and it it it's it's worthwhile because we can we can make some money doing that but also Meeting, meeting the people and just and sharing some of the stuff that we did is fun for us, but it also it's meaningful for them, and that makes it that much more of a treat for me. So this one time, I'm sitting at the table with my wife, and this young couple comes up. They're about 30, 32, 33, and they have a little nine-year-old girl with them, and she's clinging to daddy's leg. And the daddy introduces me, and, she, and, he, and he says, honey, this is, this is Mr. Clark. And she kind of looked and grabbed her dad's leg again and hung on. So we had a really nice conversation, uh, the mom, the dad, and, and I, and, and Jereen, my wife. And finally, the dad looks to the little girl and says, honey, Mr. Clark plays Steve on the Virginian. And she looked at me, her eyes got big as saucers. She dropped her dad's leg, ran around the table, and gave me the biggest hug. I almost burst into tears. <laughs> Nine years old, 
50, 60 years later. So what that, and I kind of looked up to the heavens and I said, Jim, Doug, does that answer your question? But this, this little girl, I mean, she, it had, obviously she, she, she had seen reruns and the parents had seen reruns and the parents' parents had seen runs and maybe the parents' parents' parents saw the show when it was live or when it was first produced. But that just knocked me out. And I, and I think about it and I, and I, I start getting teary about that little girl. <laughs> That's a great story. You know, I, I, it also makes me think about your impact on those around you, like your family. I know that that your daughters are creative, and and they were doing some acting, and I think even directed Ava in a couple of things. How did that happen? Were they just inspired by you, or you think it's just in the blood, or how does that? What do you think about that? I wasn't going to talk about them. <laughs> well, okay, Ava and I got started. Um, I had a tape when I was driving her to, to school, and she was about seven years old, and it was of Abbott and Costello doing Who's On First. And I'm playing the tape because she likes it, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and she's she's going along with it. She's doing both parts. Wow. And one thing led to another, and I said, honey, they're having a, 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 a talent show at church. They're going to be maybe a hundred people. And, uh, I think it might be fun. We could do it. She says, Oh, okay, sure. So we talked to the people at the church and they said, uh, yeah, that would be, oh, sure. Fine. If, if you think she can do it, I said, Oh yeah, I, she's, she's got it down. So finally they said we could do it. The day comes, we walk to the auditorium on on the church lot, there is a almost a, there's about a thousand people, and I said I, I I realize that, and I know that Ava's going to see them, and bolt, and, and that will be the last I'll ever see of her. But I put her in the back of the room, and I said, "Okay, honey, I'm going to go up on stage, and I'm going to start talking about playing baseball, and then you do." You know, what you do, hey, daddy, and come running down and come up and say, well, she says, okay. She's in the back. People are still coming in, and some of them are late, and they're still moving down the aisles looking for their seats. The music starts. I start saying a couple of things, you know, 10, 15 seconds about baseball, and then I hear, hey, daddy. And I look, and here comes Ava running down the middle aisle dodging people who are looking for her for their seats she gets up on stage she nails the performance and corrects me twice while i'm on stage <laughs> with her and you know when they introduce us it's uh yes and here is gary clark and his and his daughter uh, and that but afterwards the people are applauding like crazy, and the pastor says, yes, folks, that was Ava Lamoureux, and what's his name? 
And ever since then, we've <laughs> we've been we've been doing that. Ava, Ava got into into the business, started doing um, a couple of films. She worked, like you said, uh, Jeff. She did some stuff that I directed, and then Natalie kind of came along. But the problem is, Natalie's twenty one, Ava's twenty nine. Natalie at 21 is better than I was at 35. Wow. Ava at 29 is better than I was at 52. So I always let them know that. <laughs> so I say, when you're working with me, you play it down a little bit, okay? <laughs> they never do, but they are extraordinary. We are the girls and I are going to audition for Clue. They're they're doing that play here in Austin. And Ava has kind of set aside what the, the acting, but she'll do commercials. She's done a lot of commercials for um, uh, HEB and some national, and I think she did an international commercial. So they love her. And Natalie did a movie that was animated, but it was a, the kind of animation where they actually shot the kids saying all their lines and, and doing what they were doing. And then the animators animated them so that, it, but the animation looks like them. So you would oh, see cool. the, the movie and it, you could tell that it's, that it's Natalie. And it was called, uh, um, Apollo ten and a half. Oh right, and it right. was like it was uh, like in the in the, it was top ten for a couple of weeks on Netflix. And yeah, that's a great picture. And then she did another one. Um, I don't know if it's released or not, but it's called Addict Named Hal. And Jerina and I went downtown and watched her uh, to, to see a preview of the movie. And I'm sitting there. And here's my daughter plays a, um, an 18 year old who's an alcoholic. Wow. And I'm watching her and suddenly it's not this actress. It's my daughter who has turned to an, into an alcoholic in front of me. I had, I almost walked out three times. It just, they are, both of them are just extraordinary. Wow. That's so, great. And they're gorgeous too. So I was gonna say I was gonna say they take after their mom. <laughs> you weren't gonna say it. You did say it. I heard it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, to wrap up this podcast, we like to do a little segment at the end of every episode where we play a question from our producer Jeff Weber. I'll play you the audio. The catch is he doesn't know who he's leaving the question for, so they're okay. a little bit more out of the box sometimes. Is there one piece of advice you've received that has helped your career the most? If so, where did it come from? What a great question. Um, and I've, I've used this before. I've used it when, when I have been casting for a play, especially when it's a play with a lot, of, a lot of kids. I remember 30, 40 kids were waiting to audition for uh, something. I, was, I forget what it is or what it was. And I said to them, I'm glad you're all here. And every one of you is going to audition. And like there's 30 or 40 of you here. And there's only 
three parts. Are, are you all aware of that? And, you know, to down to the last kid, they either nodded or said, yeah, uh, sure. And I said, so here's what, here's what you need to know. If you can't take no after you audition, if they say, no, we can't use you, if that's going to bother you or hurt you, don't ever do another audition again. Forget about it. And I learned that. I don't know how, where it came from. Maybe my agent told me. Could have been another actor. But being rejected is actually not anything personal to you. Maybe you didn't do a good job, but whatever the job was that you did didn't fit what the director was looking for. So it isn't personal. And I can tell you that I've had many, many more rejections than I have. Okay, we want you. But That's the great. ones that they said, we want you, um, I got better every time I did something. So learning how, learning to take rejection, I think is imperative in this business. That's that's great advice. I, I know uh, a lot of my actor friends say as soon as they stopped caring about getting rejected is when they finally started to really nail the auditions because it just took some kind of pressure off of them. So that that makes a lot of sense. If you're worried if you're worried about not about screwing up and not getting the part, that will show in your right. audition. Right, right. So good for your friends. <laughs> well, Gary, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, I loved it. Thank you. No, Thank you no, it was great opportunity. fun. And before we sign off, I um, I want you to tell people where they can find your book. Oh well, they can go to the um, they can go to the Gary Clark the actor Facebook page. The one of the ladies' names is Wendy, and Wendy, uh, you you just say I want I want uh, I want Gary's book. And I want him to sign it. Thanks again for being a guest on our show, Gary. You had a lot of great stories, and I'm sure we could talk for another hour, so we'll have to have you on another time. Anytime. It was it was fun being with you guys, and thank you. Thank you if, thank you for being who you are and doing this, because I, I heard one uh, a week ago, and um, I think people will uh, are loving what you're doing. Thanks so much, and, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you and I need to to grab uh, coffee at the, the Buda soda fountain one of these days. I would love it. That would be great. I mean, I see your dad more than I've seen you. So. I know. I know. I need to get down there. The three of us will, uh, will swap stories. Oh, that'd be great. That All would right, be buddy, fun. You, you take care. All right. And you too. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Jeff Weber. Our theme song was created by a man loved by cats and dogs alike, Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and stay tuned for future episodes.